There's a lot happening with New Jersey's child welfare system. We want to help you make sense of it and share our story. This is DCF on the Air. This is DCF on the Air, and I'm Jason Bukowski. DCF on the Air is a production of the New Jersey Department of Children and Families. And each month, we'll be using this space to have a conversation with all of you about the important topics connected with our efforts to transform into a family well-being system. Right now, many families with children and adolescents are struggling with the effects of a youth mental health crisis, which has certainly been exacerbated as a result of the stress of COVID-19, but was by no means created by it. The underpinning factors are many. It includes increased use of social media in favor of in-person connections, increased pressure to excel in academia or competitive sports, political and racial divisions within our country, and an atmosphere of fear created by bullying or school shootings, among so many other contributing factors. This is not just a New Jersey problem. In the last several years, we've heard from the U.S. Surgeon General and the CDC about staggering statistics related to youth depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation. The most recent CDC report included data from 2021. So this is data taken from the midst of the pandemic and reported by the youth themselves. And according to their results, nearly one in three teenage boys and three in five teenage girls had reported feelings of persistent sadness and hopelessness, an early marker for depression. One in four girls said they had seriously considered suicide, up significantly since 2011. One in 10 said they had attempted suicide. Alcohol use is on the rise again, more so in girls than in boys, but generally speaking, it's increased across the board. So with these numbers in hand, what do we do? There's certainly no one-size-fits-all solution, which is why in New Jersey, we have several programs and initiatives focused on youth mental health and well-being all of which we'll be exploring on this podcast over time. But today, though, we're, we're focusing on a new effort, the New Jersey Statewide Student Support Services Network, or NJ4S, which we've designed to provide upstream prevention and mental wellness and well-being services to students within their schools and trusted community settings. This is about identifying and connecting with young people before they need deeper-end therapeutic support. It's about giving them the tools to cope with stress, anxiety, and situational depression, to identify where there may be a clinical need, and referring to other components of the youth behavioral health infrastructure in the Garden State. Joining me today is Sanford Starr, Sandy to his friends, who serves as Assistant Commissioner for the Division of Family and Community Partnerships in DCF, which will be overseeing the rollout of NJ4S across the state. Sandy came to us in the early days of the pandemic, having previously served in roles connected to addiction services and mental health in Ohio. Sandy, thank you so much for joining us today on DCF on the Air. It's a pleasure to be with you, Jason. Great. So let's jump right into it. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about NJ4S? Mm -hmm. Specifically, what is it? Uh, When can we expect it? And how do we envision it supporting New Jersey's student population? Well, the idea of NJ4S is to provide prevention and early intervention services in a statewide format 
uh, for New Jersey for the very reasons that you described. Uh, we're, we're seeing um, uh, uh, a much uh, higher uh, rate of concern about mental health issues for students. Sure. And um, uh, uh, it's to the extent that I don't believe we can, we can therapy our way out of this. Mm. And so to provide uh, the prevention and early intervention services uh, to uh, help uh, mitigate the need for higher end services uh, is a much, uh, I think, much better long term solution uh, for for the state. Yeah. So it's we're not saying that this is necessarily intended to be a therapeutic support. It's really more focused on being a part of like a larger continuum. Yes, a problem like like um, uh, like we're seeing in New Jersey and nationwide really calls for a multi pronged approach. Um, uh, a full range of, of intervention services from primary prevention, uh, secondary prevention uh, through through treatment, uh, like the uh, treatment that our children's system of care has to offer, and then crisis services. So our niche um, in that continuum is really on the prevention uh, portion of that spectrum. And we're not the only prevention service by any means. Sure. There are many others. Um, but we're designed specifically uh, to uh, work within within the schools and in communities across the state. Great. So I know that prior to NJ4S, New Jersey had a network of school-based youth service programs, very much beloved school-based youth service programs. Um, this has been in place since the 1980s. How does NJ4S differ from our CIBIS programs? And will those programs still be operating in schools when NJ4S is rolled out? Great question. So the school-based youth services programs have been with us for quite some time, like sure. 35 years now. Uh, and they're going to continue. Uh, they're continuing through, through this next year. Um, and I, I, there are some key differences. Uh, the school-based youth service programs uh, currently operate in 86 schools, and they will continue to operate in those 86 schools. The advantage of school-based youth services is that with uh, staff that are based within the school building, it means that those staff really understand the culture of the school and they're right there to uh, to assist students who, who may be in need. So there are some real strengths to a school-based youth services program approach. Yeah. That strength is also sort of a deficit that NJ4S can fill. NJ4S is a hub and spoke model, uh, which means that we have a, a 15, we'll have 15 hubs, which are administrative centers, uh, that, um, uh, clinicians and, um, prevention consultants, um, uh, are, are housed in, if you will. Uh, not necessarily physically housed, it could be virtual as well. Sure. But they're the administrative arm uh, of NJ4S. And those, um, counselors and, um, uh, uh, prevention consultants can be deployed to a variety of different schools and school districts across the state to provide evidence-based prevention services and provide um, uh, brief interventions and referral to ongoing treatment in, in the community. So the strength of a, of a hub and spoke model, if you will, uh, is the ability to have great geographic reach mm -hmm. and spread um, I think that other, you know, key key distinctions 
between school-based youth services and NJ4S, because we're not talking about one being better than the other, they're different, mm-hmm. um, is uh, that uh, we're able to be scalable uh, with NJ4S, meaning that we are able to provide services to many schools, and those services can also be deployed differently in different, different communities. Okay. Um, with... Um, uh, our school-based youth services programs uh, being housed within a school building, uh, we don't have that same luxury of being able to deploy the same individual across a number of different uh, different settings. Yeah. And the reality is, as much as I know some folks would like to be able to expand uh, school-based youth services, uh, the cost and, and staffing are prohibitive. Yeah, yeah and I think... Um because we've had this conversation a few times now, uh, you and I, on you know different different media sources, and and when we talk about those eighty six existing school based youth services programs, that's out of two thousand four hundred schools, roughly in the state of New Jersey. It's it's over twenty five hundred schools all all told. Sure, and and so the ability to provide staffing to all schools uh, is really insurmountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with an NJ4S hub and spoke type of a model, it means that we can come in and out of schools uh, uh, who are in most need uh, and be able to prioritize those services accordingly. Yeah. And I think especially when we're considering the fact that there are workforce challenges and workforce needs throughout sort of the social services spectrum right now, um, it's not just about funding. You know, we could fund our way through this we still wouldn't have the clinicians and the prevention specialists to be able to staff these programs. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I want to go back to uh, what you were talking about in terms of the hub and spoke model. Um, I think you kind of touched on this already about, you know, why we think this is sort of the best approach, not necessarily better than school-based, but it's different, I think is what you said. Um, But why do we think this is the approach right now um, in order to address these needs? Well, given given the um, uh, you know, well, New Jersey is 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 one of the most diverse states in in the country, mm-hmm. and a one size uh, uh, fits all approach is is not going to suffice. And being able to create these hubs um, that can be deployed to different um, uh, areas in the state, uh, different school districts, different schools, uh, based on on need. Um, uh, it helps to us to ensure that that um, uh, uh, populations of students or districts of st- in, where students would not normally have access to these services will be able to get them. Okay. When you say that, are are you referring to that there aren't services within the community already, or are you referring to something else? Well, there are services in the community already, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that part of what we're looking at with the um, hubs is um, that uh, they are going to need to develop relationships with existing community services. Um, We said earlier that this was a multi-pronged approach and that this was not the only prevention program or the only treatment program Mm -hmm. uh, uh, available. Um, uh, It's really a matter of uh, developing relationships with other uh, programs that exist in the community to ensure that uh, there's access to to students. You know, one of the things that we learned a couple of years ago with the Human Services Advisory Councils, the HSACs, Mm -hmm. I think I have that acronym right. Um, I think so, yeah. (laughs) um, uh, Is that in the county needs assessments that were conducted, 
um, the one of the chief findings was that individuals were not aware uh, of the services that were available in their own communities. And so in addition to providing uh, the direct services, prevention services and some brief intervention and, and referral services, the NJ4S hubs are also serving uh, as an entity to help align uh, other community uh, resources uh, for students and their and their their caregivers uh, to ensure that uh, everybody is is aware and playing their part. Great, and I think it's also about avoiding duplication of effort too, because when we're talking about um, yeah this great need, I think it's you know it's really affecting communities across the entire spectrum. It's you know it's not really connected to socioeconomic conditions. It's not really I mean everybody has some component of need. I think is what I'm trying to say, but to be able to leverage those resources to avoid duplication of efforts and to maximize sort of the state investment. I, I imagine that's part of it as well, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and in part, that's why each of the hubs will have an advisory uh, uh, council uh, that they'll work with. And that advisory council will be comprised of uh, students, parents, uh, 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 community representatives, business, uh, faith-based organizations, um, uh, folks that uh, will have an idea about uh, other programs and services that uh, could be made available to students and, and their families uh, through the community. They'll also be able to um, uh, advise on the types of programming uh, that they'd like to see the hubs emphasize uh, to uh, to assist students in, in being successful in, in school. Great. Um, can you talk a little bit about how we're targeting services? Um, so that we can have sort of an incremental response to the needs of mm -hmm. the student population. Because I know that not every student is going to need sort of, I, you mentioned those briefer clinical interventions, mm -hmm. which I think is sort of the top level, but not every student's going to need those particular supports. Correct. So actually the NJ4S hubs are um, uh, created to provide three different tiers or levels of service. The tier one service is actually available to every student and every caregiver uh, in the state. These are um, services such as uh, webinars that can be recorded so that um, um, uh, students or their parents can watch at their leisure. They may also be uh, community presentations uh, that can be held either in a community setting or in a school setting mm -hmm. that anyone uh, is able to attend. So just as an example, there may be a uh, webinar uh, create it um, uh, for parents of kindergartners and how to get your kindergartner off to school on the first day very successfully. Okay. Uh, there may be uh, a webinar for um, uh, seniors, for college or for um, high school students, um, not college. We're, we're focusing on middle and high school here. <laughs> yep. um, uh, Don't give us more work. No, 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 no. We have enough. Um, but there may be a, a webinar on how to uh, uh, handle test anxiety. Okay. Or how to recognize that a friend is is in need of, of 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 help. So there are a number of webinars that can be done, as well as in person community events uh, that anybody is is able to attend. And all of these events can be uh, created to to focus on either a particular grade. It may be focused more on on uh, uh, assisting parents, uh, or others may be in, in assisting students. Yeah. Now, there's something you said there that I, I kind of wanted to focus in on in terms of 
NJ4S actually being a support to parents. Why is it important to also address the needs of parents and families as a whole? So some of the um, uh, studies that you cited, the reports that you cited from the CDC, and there's a Surgeon General's report, and also some data that we've collected right here in, in New Jersey, uh, really highlight the, the fact that when parents are uh, in distress, so are their children, so are sure. students. So for parents who may have a substance use disorder, uh, may have mental health issues, uh, unemployment, food shortage, uh, all of these things uh, uh, have a bearing on, on students and how they're functioning at school during the day. So if there are ways that we can also connect their parents with or caregivers with needed services, that's another really critical role that the hubs can play uh, to help ensure student success. Yeah, and I think that when we think about supporting students, it's always very student-focused or student-organized. Um, but I think incorporating that sort of larger picture and you know being that connector, again, I think, as you said, with the HISAC needs assessment, there were programs that were available that people just didn't know about. Right. So, uh, and I'm sure that that's across the board, whether you're talking about student services or or family services and parent services, caregiver services. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll, we'll work with both the student as well as the caregiver or parent. So that's tier one services. Mm -hmm. Tier two services, um, uh, schools will apply for. Uh, and these are evidence-based programs. Uh, and so um, uh, the school, um, uh, if, if a school has a particular problem around substance abuse or, or violence or bullying uh, or a number of other areas, um, uh, they can apply to have uh, the hub provide a service either at the school or in the community um, to um, uh, address that, that issue. Uh, these will be primarily evidence-based programs. Mm -hmm. And because of such a diverse um, state, uh, there are not always uh, evidence-based programs for every population. And so it does mean that there needs to be uh, local uh, modification uh, to ensure that we're, we're addressing student needs appropriately. Sure. Uh, but these are uh, going to be delivered by uh, what will amount to 199 prevention consultants that will be deployed across the state at these 15 hubs. Yeah. And I, I should also point out, because I know that this has been a, a source of, of question uh, and confusion, the services are not provided at a hub. Okay. The hub is administrative. That's That's where the professionals reside. Uh, the services are um, uh, delivered at a school or at a, in a community. And we're relying on those advisory uh, groups that each hub has uh, to inform the hub of where in a community makes the most sense to provide a particular type of service. So can you provide some examples of like commu trusted community sites that might be, you know, I guess that would be a spoke within the hub and spoke model. So it could be a uh, social service agency. Mm -hmm. It could be a faith-based organization, um, uh, a library, a community center. Okay. Uh, it's, it's any place that's convenient and accessible uh, to students and or their, their caregivers. Uh, and again, uh, we can rely on uh, the uh, advisory group uh, to identify what makes the most sense for any particular community. Yeah, and I think that was one of the concerns that we'd heard 
originally was that uh, students would have to travel for services, that they may not be able to get services locally. And I, I think what you're saying is that not only will they be able to get services within the schools, but we're going to make it more accessible based on sort of that local voice. That's right. This is We're really talking about accessibility here. Mm -hmm. uh, for many students, it will be in the school building. And so that's where, where we will deploy the NJ4S staff. But there are also uh, times when uh, a parent may want to uh, uh, be seen for consultation, and it's after school hours. The school's already closed. Mm. So we're looking to, to see how we can uh, make, make the programming uh, more accessible uh, to, uh, to students. And this actually came out of uh, some of the earlier focus group work that we did uh, sort of as a preamble to um, uh, creating uh, NJ4S where you know we learned that um, there were a number of students who really liked the idea of being able to have the services right there in their school, but there were other students, uh, especially when it came to any kind of counseling relationship, where uh, there were a number that, that preferred to, uh, uh, to be seen elsewhere and not in the school building. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, this, this is really all about choice. So on tier two services, we're still in the realm of prevention services, correct? Right. Okay. So we still haven't even approached the the clinical interventions that are available through NJ4S. Can you talk a little bit about those? Sure. So those are tier three interventions uh, uh, where we have a, uh, we have mental health counselors that are also available, and this is really intended for brief intervention. Uh, and if ongoing mental health counseling is necessary, the uh, counselor will make a referral uh, into a community uh, agency or a community resource. Okay. So you know, brief interventions. Um, uh, you know, s events that may interfere with uh, students' success in the classroom, and what can we do to help you get back into this into the classroom and and be successful? Um, the uh, uh, clinicians can also provide consultation services to school staff uh, if if uh, there is uh, an issue around. Uh, classroom management, if, if the clinician is able to assist with that at all, they can. Um, but um, uh, uh, really, we're not going to be designed to do crisis counseling. Okay. And, you know, and so I think one of the things that we will uh, be providing additional guidance on as we, uh, you know, begin ramping up for these services uh, is that we do have the mobile crisis unit Mm -hmm. uh, when there is a real crisis. And uh, we expect that um, uh, the uh, schools will continue to use the mobile crisis unit. Yeah. And I think that also getting back to, you know, the discussion that we had earlier about not wanting to duplicate services, many schools already have relationships with uh, some type of uh, mental health counselor or some type of, of mental health work, um, whether it's in the school or, or uh, in the community. And we're not looking to interfere or change any of those relationships. Uh, we're really uh, there to uh, to be an addition and not a replacement uh, okay. to those existing services and relationships. So it kind of reminds me, um, you know, at in my early early days, um, I, I did you know campaign work, and we would do uh, what was referred to as get out the vote drives, where we would make sure that everyone knew to come out, and you know today was the day you had to go out and vote. And we would do something called overlays. So we would have our, you know, typical people would go out and knock on doors and remind people to vote. And then, you know, 
few hours later, someone from labor might come through and knock on doors and tell people it was time to vote. And then we would have phone, phone contact to let people know it was time to vote. And usually by the end of the day, people were very annoyed with us because there was a lot of different contact, but it made sure that the message got through. And I think that's sort of what we're looking at with NJ4S as well, correct? That's right. And we still have a few months before things go live. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our timing uh, is to uh, be ready uh, for the new school year in September. Okay. We've just made the awards to uh, the 15 hubs, to the social service agencies that um, uh, are going to be receiving uh, those awards. And there's a lot of work that we need to do between now and September to have those hubs ready. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to have those advisory groups formed. Uh, we're working on a brand new uh, IT system uh, so that we can do a good job um, with applications for service as well as managing the services that are uh, being provided across the state. Um, uh, as I was saying, some guidance and some training uh, that we're going to, uh, to be undertaking. Uh, but uh, it looks like we are on track to be ready to, uh, to roll in September uh, to launch this program. Well, it's fantastic to hear because I know it's needed. I know it's so much so needed. Thinking, you know, looking into your crystal ball and thinking ahead to, you know, 10 years down the line or five years down the line, um, where do you see NJ4S in that time? You know, how, how do you see this sort of evolving or transforming to sort of meet the needs of students within New Jersey? You know, that's that's such a great question. I, to be honest, we've been so wrapped up in just getting this this program launched. It's we haven't really thought that that much about what's happening down the road. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, you know, I think that if we're able to um, uh, uh, demonstrate uh, that uh, the programming that we're providing across the state uh, is of benefit to students and uh, their their parents and a benefit to the schools, uh, where we begin to see a change in some of the data that is is routinely collected on an annual basis around uh, levels of violence in schools or uh, substance use uh, problems that that uh, students are experiencing, uh, that uh, I'd expect that we would see. Uh, students who uh, feel much more connected to their schools uh, in the long run, uh, that have positive peer relationships in the long run, uh, that have uh, good relationships with their with their uh, teachers and with their with their parents. Uh, those are the signs that um, uh, that we are making a contribution to that end. And by no means would I be implying that this is the only thing sure. uh, that uh, is. But this is. Um, I think an important component of that recipe to get us there. Yeah, and and maybe even you know seeing NJ4S replicated in other states. That I, that would be a real honor. Okay, but right now we're going to stand it up here in New Jersey, and we'll we'll be the first. Great, great to hear. And yeah, thank you, thank you for taking the time today to talk to me. Thank you for all your work in this important area. I know that you have a very busy schedule these days. I think we all do. Uh, but thank you for taking thank yeah, you. time to talk to us. If you want to learn more about this exciting initiative, visit www.nj.gov slash DCF slash nj4s.html. In three weeks time, we'll be back with our guest, Dr. Rebecca Bryan, talking about the New Jersey Office of Resilience, which is again tied into this concept of a continuum of care from wellness to resilience to mental health. 
On behalf of my producers and the NJDCF Office of Communications and Public Affairs, this is Jason Bukowski signing off. Tune in at the end of the month for more DCF on the air. Oh,